Hello and welcome to Jag Bags, a discussion of all things pop culture. I am Mike Byer. And I'm Len Foote. We're back! And welcome to the thrilling return of Jag Bags. Standing ovation from the Diamond listeners. Oh, man. The Thank long you. wait is over. Thank you so much. Thank you. To quote John Lennon, they are rattling their jewelry. Yes. TL is uh, enjoying his uh, <laughs> sabbatical by sitting in the front row. He'll be very anxious to hear our recap tonight as we restart season three. We had a, a last-second guest cancellation, but uh, being the pros that we are um, and uh, earning the raises that we negotiated during our sabbatical through... Well, uh, we? What do you mean, we? We all uh, know we. We both were compensated quite handsomely. Uh, I bought a suit from the dollar store and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wonder how you like it. You haven't commented on it yet, but I'm sure it's overwhelming. It's, it's great, Dave. Thank but you. I feel like you should acknowledge that Franklin Sampson got us these raises. That he's not the best in the business. For it wasn't me and you. It was Franklin Sampson. And I mean, considering the raise we got for you to just buy a suit at a dollar store is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, what the market will bear. And I we're earning the big bucks now, Beef. I appreciate Franklin's efforts. I have uh, a couple llamas in my backyard right now. <laughs> from, from from your uh, fabulous riches. That was my splurge. Wow, man! One got the llamas I wanted. I got the dollar store suit. I tell you, and I also got a haircut. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> But I've received many compliments. On I saw it in your mug shot. So, <laughs> during well, we'll we'll get into that <laughs> very soon. Uh, as you may know, we're going to be recapping uh, the uh, well. We normally when we do recaps, we do the week that was in sports, but we're just going to just we're just going to do recaps since last we uh, came into your devices uh for our last podcast episode so we're going to talk about what we did during our sabbatical we're going to talk about the nfl which kicked off this past weekend um with thrilling wins from the bears and the cleveland browns uh mlb the season is uh speaking of thrilling is winding down there's uh still a lot of drama uh, going on, particularly in the AL Central, uh, particularly with the White Sox, the team that refuses to die. We'll talk about them and the Guardians and the Fading Twins in our MLB segment. The Chicago Skies WNBA season came to what I feel was like a sudden end. Yeah. Uh, and we'll go, we'll break that down completely. Um, then we'll do our normal segments, I recommend, and Rolling Stone Top 500. And then, Gagbags listeners, we have a rarity, a true, incredible moment for you. 
to uh, commemorate the restarting of our season three and our return to the air. Len has actually seen the movie Jaws. <laughs> I'm still speechless over this. <laughs> when I heard about it, I literally crashed the car uh, uh, that I was driving. Uh, ran over about five garbage cans in an alley. Uh, but Len is here with his review of the 1977, 75, when did year to that job? 75, 75. 75 classic. Uh, this review is nearly 50 years in the making, but good things come to those who wait. Len will tell us whether Jaws is in fact good or not. Uh, we'll, we'll also go over the results of Len's latest bracket featuring the music of Dave Grohl. And finally, speaking of momentous, we are also unveiling a new project of Lens, his 500 favorite albums of all time, which he will present to you for your listening pleasure and to me for my ultimate judgment. <laughs> so get ready. It's going to be an incredible recap episode. It starts now. Live from the home studios in Woodridge, Illinois. Well, that's rehearsal. It. You can't. Uh, you can't have it all. Well, we're gonna have, no, we're gonna have, no, no woos for about six more weeks. That's fine. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna get your Jaws review, and this is gonna be amazing. <laughs> this is gonna be unbelievable. When I heard about it, I said I don't want to talk about anything in the recap episode except nothing but Jaws. <laughs> I want 45 minutes of Robert Shaw. We're just going to talk about Robert Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> Drunk ass Robert Shaw. Uh, Get me some apricot brandy, Beeve. <laughs> By the way, Robert Shaw has, in fact, risen from the dead and is in the studios tonight joining us. I bet you were like, wow, Robert Shaw is. Robert Shaw is sitting next to me. Yes. Uh, so, uh, so get ready. It's going to be in a wild jag bag. So first of all, we were gone for six weeks, uh, taking a well-deserved sabbatical after two years of, of constant podcast content <laughs> for you, the diamond listeners and for all of uh, those who uh, tune in. Uh, but you know, as always, we have to recharge. And so uh, I thought we, the listeners might uh, get a kick out of learning what we did over the past six weeks. And uh, we went our separate ways and just reflected on our lives and our purpose in the world. And uh, here we are um, back and with a full report. So Len went to a, of course, uh, being the nose to the grindstone guy he is, uh, went to a work seminar. He read a work seminar. Mm -hmm. was it uh in the city or was it you know in woodridge uh six weeks it was road trip into a unincorporated area of wisconsin <laughs> we were blindfolded uh, whoa and it went into it turned out to be a windowless building which i off, approve of off the grid distractions off the grid and uh Lots of 
lots of good pointers felt like the only i'll say the good and the bad good learned a lot about focusing even more sleeping less eating less <laughs> ignoring friends and family all the things i talked about before we had our final podcast before our break but there were some hedonists there yes who insisted on a water break every four hours yeah man. so that was a little disheartening every four hours how long did and uh i sure i assume you allowed them water breaks i i didn't take any water breaks but i mean i had my early morning sip of water and then i'm good for the rest of the day well your constitution is is iron <laughs> but everyone else it was i'm like how, what is with this water guys it's the new generation they're soft uh that was only that besides that good news i mean uh, innovators yes people that understand work ethics so it was a six weeks six weeks very well six yeah. weeks in a windowless building with uh water breaks uh at your discretion pretty much i continued working during the water breaks good good so unlike the other slackers right there'll be no quiet quitting in lens uh <laughs> and boot camp. quiet quitting what kind of silliness is that <laughs> ridiculous yes well uh i'm sure productivity will skyrocket now that we're all back and your employees are back on their um uh rabbit wheels is that what they call? hamster wheels hamster wheels um uh and uh so uh i look forward to even uh more incredible content uh now that your your workers have been released from prison i mean from your work seminar and are back uh in the back in your work compound probably no difference between your work compound and the windowless building in an unincorporated. Yeah, I did take out the windows. Yeah. Uh, today. Well, that was first first lesson learned. That's a distraction. What do you need windows for? Yeah. Right. Windows taken down. Name plates taken off desks. Good. And, Quality. Uh, internet only. Everyone has to send me an email requesting internet access. Yes. And it has to pertain to what we were working on at that moment. Right, right. So right. all great ideas that I should have thought of myself, but I learned at this seminar. Yes, through the, through your employees' cries for help. I mean, feedback. Yes, feedback. Exactly, exactly. Well, uh, my uh, six weeks was spent at the World Be Free Basketball Fantasy Camp. And what a joy that was. Uh, getting to hang out with George Carl, uh, John Bagley, uh, Ben Poquette was my roommate at the uh, fantasy camp. Um, I was fitted with a bright orange Cavs uniform and matching uh, warm-up outfit, um, which I almost wore tonight for the Jag bags, but instead I elected to wear uh, my dollar store suit. Um, but next week, the bright orange uh, warm-up uh, suit will be uh, in evidence. Uh, we played a lot of basketball. Um, I uh, scored four points in about 
six weeks, two games a day. So that's seven days a week, 14 times six. Well, that's a lot. And I scored four points total, but I prefer to focus on my defense uh, and my encouragement of my fantasy teammates. Uh, and I played a lot better than Alex did. I'll tell you that right now, Alex, uh, we were still teaching him the rules of the game, but his coffee during our timeouts was outstanding. And um, I, uh, re- I appreciated the feedback and coaching that I got from Hubie Brown, uh, Stan Albeck, uh, Kevin Laffery, uh, and uh, Granville Waiters came by to uh, – is Granville Waiters still alive? No, he is not. <laughs> well, he lives at the World Be Free Fantasy Camp. Much like Robert Shaw, tonight is resurrection night. At That's Game right. Bags. Yes. Well, you know, but we really had a great time. I did hear, though, that Alex, let's just say he was a little bit, uh, I want. I don't want to say unhinged. Maybe that's a little strong, but let's say he was, he was tipping a little bit. And he kept yelling double dribble at Mike Sanders one day, and it almost turned <laughs> ugly. Well, you know, Sanders had sent his goons, uh, Winston Bennett and Gerald Patio, to uh, take care of Alex. Uh, Alex did win the most mysterious camper award. Um, I won the most hilarious camper award. No surprise there. Uh, Oh, B, you didn't see what they posted about that? No, I didn't. Most hilarious camper, parentheses, shooting percentage. Oh, so they were not laughing with my jokes, mm. but in fact, were laughing at me mm. for my performance during. Well, I was guarded very closely by uh, a lot of uh, Cavs legends. Danny Ferry uh, took his turns uh, guarding me, Henry James, Bobby Sura. Um, so Fratello uh, even like uh, took turns guarding me. That though, Fratello plays tough defense. He'll kick you in the kneecaps. Oh boy! And so tough D. OJ McDuffie uh, came by, um, <laughs> shared some pointers. Uh, fun time, good time. You'll see my right, one. Just don't. Maybe look at it tomorrow, Beef. Okay. I don't want to ruin your, ruin your night. Yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll look at it at some point. Uh, I'm gonna don't Google Beav missed layup montage. <laughs> I only right. missed seventy four. Okay, <laughs> I you know, and that could happen to anyone, really. Uh, J.R. Smith. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself, Beav. I had a great six time. weeks is a long time for a camp, though. That's a lot of basketball. That is a lot of basketball, but I'm a better player. And I'm going to go back on my self-imposed sabbatical because I'm tired. There's no truth to the rumor that it was just set up by Mark Price to drain your bank account, is it? Uh, well, I mean, I've I've, I've had to enter uh, a uh, PPP uh, forgiveness loan forgiveness program. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but uh, uh, Franklin's Samson's on the case. So I'm sure I'll get my money. You're a mean Mark Price, or was it a catfishing by someone who claimed to be Mark Price? Uh, Mark, Mark was, uh, he said he would stop by, but you know, business, uh, uh, business, uh, 
commitments uh, prevented him from uh, uh-huh. actually going to the camp. Steve Kerr was supposed to make it also. Uh, yeah, he did not make it, but we did get Craig Elo um, as a nice bonus. Um, in uh, Now, after the, usually those camps are like two weeks at most. Yes. So after the first two weeks, were all the Cavs players still there or? Well, then we got Henry, the Craig Elo experience. Uh, uh, he was uh, there for a week. Then we got um, Planet C imprisoned, uh, as, as taking uh, the place of World B free. Um, so Planet was, uh, well, Planet couldn't shoot either. Uh, but he said he had the full uh, blessings of World B free to uh, instruct and um, and he got and was, this was called the World B Fantasy Camp. World yes, B3. was World B free there? Uh, I he was there. His limo drove by. He waved, and uh, you and saw I, him. I did see him. Yes. <laughs> okay. And. I, I I can't talk about this anymore, Beach. This is just I I I feel sad for you. Don't be jealous. But this is a solid. <laughs> this is masked in envy. And not a good look. Good luck with it. Uh, forgiveness on that loan, beat. <laughs> I had a well worth it to play with a, a Craig Elo imitator. I had a what Henry the Craig Elo experience was. His hair was amazing, just like Elo's. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Prince Valiant cut really great. There was a big demand for Craig people Elo imitating Craig Elo, so he probably cleans up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, uh, the NFL Bears fever. On you at the parade. Unbelievable. Truly unbelievable. Incredible game. Yep. And. It's funny because I was reading things like the Bears are the worst team in football. Mm-hmm. I'm like, they're not the worst team in football. I'm, I mean, I wasn't super confident. I mean, it's only one game anyways, but I wasn't like, I didn't think they're going to be awful. I know they had issues at receiver and cornerback. Right. But I'm like, I thought the defense would be good. Like Montgomery, Mooney. Yep. It felt like they're trying to shore up the offensive line. Yep. It's not like a great offensive line, but at least they were attempting to do things. They brought a couple of veterans in. Yep. A guy like Jenkins, who was a high draft pick, they moved him to guard. Yep. So I thought, and just the fact when there's a coaching change, sometimes, especially when you have a bad season like the Bears did last year, sometimes you get a little bump from that. Right. So I look at the schedule. I'm like, man, our schedule is easy. Not that we're a good team, but I'm like, we could squeeze out nine wins. I agree. That was before yesterday. That was before I watched the game yesterday. And yesterday they beat a Super Bowl contender. Absolutely. All the preview things I read are like the 49ers. They have an elite defense. They thought, Lance is going to be good. They have who's their uh, Samuel? Is that the guy? That's their Debo, guy. Debo Samuel is considered one Debo of Samuel. Like, the MVP candidate. And nope, Bears took care of him. And and some people were talking about the field. Okay, the last 
three or four minutes of the game were insane. It was like hey. torrential downpour, and that helped the Bears because the 49ers, when you go back to pass, you can't see. I mean, when you're trying to make try to score 10 points in three minutes. So the 49ers basically had no chance once it started pouring like that. Yeah. But up to that point, I didn't feel like the – did you see anyone – did you see any of the game? Yeah, I watched most of the first half. Yeah, did you see anyone slipping or anything? No, it was mostly when they hit the ground, then they would slide about 10 feet. But as far as running, nobody was slipping. Nobody was like – I didn't even feel like they were dropping passes or anything. I felt like considering it was raining – It was warm out. It was not that bad until the last four minutes of the game. Right. So I thought it was pretty – it didn't affect things that much. Did you feel that the Bears defense was that good or was Lance just that bad or a mixture of both? Yeah, definitely a mixture because what I noticed was Lance did not look good. He didn't look good. It could have been nerves, Mm -hmm. but the Bears were not fooled by anything. Right. Like some of the bad things that the Bears did the past couple of years there weren't any plays where you're like oh no it was like they yeah. were they like i said they were quick to the ball they got two big turnovers eddie jackson of all people made up his first play in two years and good tackling just every everything was pretty strong defensively for them and i mean this Samuel guy, he made a couple of plays, but he fumbled. We forced a fumble on him yep. and he didn't, he didn't dominate the game. Cause that's what happens a lot too. When you're not a really good team, if the other team has like a superstar, they just run wild on you. Right. And that never happened. Did not happen. And, and fields made the best play of his career so far when he had to scramble and was smart enough to look all the way to the other side of the field and just, launch it to a wide open guy and get a touchdown. That was a great play. I mean, if, if fields can, all fields has to do, and I feel like a lot of guys now are, they're scrambling kind of like old time me kind of like, like remember Fran Tarkenton used to run around the backfield, but he would never yeah. cross the, he just run around and then someone yeah. would open. Yeah. And fields did a little bit of that. Like he can buy time with his legs. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they weren't getting in right away either. They, I mean, he got sacked a couple of times, but there wasn't that like thing where, well, it's the same game. Was it 49ers last year that he had that? No, the Browns, the Browns game last year, yeah, where he'd snap the ball and the, all the Browns would be in the backfield immediately, right? He had enough time almost every, you know, every snap, so that makes you comfortable. Then he's like, okay, I can figure something out now. Cause I don't, I'm not running for my life immediately. <laughs> and these new receivers were the ones who got the touchdowns. Mm-hmm. The, the very encouraging. Yeah. Who do they have? But, but of course we have to play the Packers next. So we can't enjoy it for too long because we could lose 56 to nothing next week. The bears are going to beat green Bay 56 to nothing. Everyone knows this, Len. I would love it, but, you know. Yes, I, I hear you. We already won one game against the team we were 
we weren't supposed to have a chance against. And the announcer kept going, can you believe the Bears are winning? I'm like, <laughs> relax a little bit. <laughs> this is an NFL team. It's not like the 49ers are playing us, like me, me and you. <laughs> I, just, I never heard an announcer talk like that. I'm like, you got to understand that Bears fans are watching this and you're really being insulting. Yeah. The impossible has happened. The Bears have sold their souls to the devil. How can they beat the greatest team of all time? I mean, yeah, I mean, that's just uh, yeah, being a little... Trying to hype the uh, the contest. Nothing wrong with that, I suppose. But uh, Daryl, what's his name? Daryl Johnston? I like Daryl Johnston. He was normal. He was acknowledging how well the Bears were playing. Yeah. He's always even keeled and even handy. Yeah, he's good. I like him. I like him. Never annoying. Yeah. Um, never. And then he's mm-hmm. thoughtful and yeah, I, I enjoy I'm I'm always happy when he's the um the color guy. I also thought I probably the, the offensive coordinator figured this out. So after that big play where the guy got the touchdown on the right side of the field. They came back and almost did the same type of play. And Pringle got a big gain, and he probably would have got 20 more yards, but he stepped out of bounds. Right. But it was almost the same kind of thing. I think he realized the 49ers were overloading one side of the field. So they got another big gain out of it. So that means they're making adjustments and understanding what's going on in the game. That's coaching. And they're not wearing visors. So, I didn't see Eberflus. Is that how you pronounce his name? Eberflus? Somebody said they think the L is silent, which I think is strange. Have you ever heard of the L being silent? Eberflus? All the the time, yes. (laughs) Right? Mike Uffbeyer? Yes. uh, My favorite player, Airy Bird. Uh, (laughs) I'm and foot. Maybe it is Eber Eberfus. I don't know. Eberfus. Anyway, it's he, good coaching. Yeah. And he doesn't have a laminated play card that he looks at every uh, five seconds. The Atlanta's coach was doing it yesterday. You know what? It just doesn't inspire confidence. You know, you, as a coach, you're supposed to be like strong and like you're the leader, and you're not yeah. supposed to like uh, watching the field and looking. Right. Not with your like this. I yeah, mean, that's exactly what the Atlanta guy was. So maybe he's doomed. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's like a feeling. Yeah, I yeah. agree with you. Maybe, the, yeah, you shouldn't be staring at it the whole time. I was like, Nagy, get your nose out of that car. You, I, we've made this joke on Jag Bag several times, but I just had great fun imagining Nagy just walking through life with that laminated <laughs> play card. You know, it's at the grocery stores, like, and he does an eggs and he has a laminated play card. <laughs> What do you want to do next on our date? <laughs> what are we watching tonight, honey? Well, let's see. <laughs> the baby's coming. Okay, well. <laughs> Nagy's, uh, we don't, what, what happened to Nagy? He's got to have a job. Chiefs. He's the assistant I mean, on the Chiefs again. Oh, he's back with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Well. And the Chiefs crushed the Cardinals. So he probably walked around acting like he was personally responsible. Yeah. I mean, it was 
just they look like the Chiefs of two years ago. So right without Tyreek Hill, but they just cut up the Cardinals. So that that's encouraging. About what you expected. I don't I mean the, you know, I didn't I read some uh I read a preview uh, Sports Illustrated preview the day before the season started. And I thought the Cardinals were supposed to be better, but I guess they have them going like nine and eight. So I guess the, they just think the Cardinals are going to be average. I think the Cardinals caught a lot of uh, teams by surprise last year because they got off that huge start. Remember, they were like something like seven and one. Or yeah, that's I, I was like, weren't they pretty good last year? But I guess now they're. I think the Well, I think Hopkins is out for six games because of uh, performance enhancing substance, substances suspension. So maybe that's part of the reason why. I mean, you don't have your best receiver for six weeks. Right. Also, <laughs> Kyler Murray got a new uh, contract, but like one of them is like, uh, hey, Kyler, learn the playbook. And uh, well, they, they took that out, I think, though, because <laughs> yeah. they realized that's <laughs> I think the announcer of the Bears game, that was his idea. Put that in there. <laughs> love it. I love it so much. Yeah. So the Chiefs, Chiefs won, Bears won, Packers lost. Delicious. The only thing that would have made it better is if Tom Brady lost. Right. But he, the Cowboys, man, if you're a Cowboys fan, your frustration's got to be crazy. Because they always seem to have a lot of talent and just never do Can't anything. Do My friend, our friend uh, Desmond, who listens to Jag Bags, he is a uh cowboys fan and have you uh, seen his facebook posts recently <laughs> the picture of the fans <laughs> we found pictures of sour-faced cowboys <laughs> yeah i mean it's gotta be rough being a cowboys fan that's tough but let's flip the coin beef oh the browns talk the, about drama the probably powerful, the most dramatic game of the year a powerful cleveland browns uh yeah never never a doubt uh thank god the panthers head coach is uh dumber than matt nagy um tell me why i I mean i I know just a little bit about what the game but well i just thought his his game plan was questionable just like watching the highlights and then i um was watching a lot of it on youtube Mm-hmm. And okay, if you're the coach and you're facing a backup quarterback, a, a backup quarterback at best, Jacoby Brissett. You don't think he's any good? I mean, he's all right. He's all right. I mean, I don't, you know, where was he before? It was Case Keenum was their backup before, who I really liked. But where was Brissett before? I think he was with Indianapolis. Yeah. Okay. Because I'd heard of him. Yeah. I think he was, and for a while he was a starter. Mm-hmm. I think he was the backup to Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. And then when Luck retired, I think Brissett was the starter. And then they got Carson Wentz. And I forget where Brissett went. And Brissett, you know, he made, he missed a lot of wide open guys. He uh, apparently, uh, Amari Cooper is invisible to him. Um, and uh, I didn't realize you guys had gotten Amari Cooper. He's really good. He is. Yeah. Um, you know, when, once we get our uh, our morally challenged quarterback, 
uh, our big contract. Uh, How man. many games is he out? 11 games. 11. So it's Brissett. But, but back to this Panthers coach. Okay, you're playing a backup quarterback just in any uh, – and you know that they've got Hunt and Chubb, two of the best – two of the better running backs in all of football. I mean, obviously, they're going to get the ball a lot. And they never stacked the, you know, stacked the box and dared Brissett to beat them. And Brissett's stats were terrible. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the Panthers were just in the regular defense. And I'm like, I, I thank you. Who is their coach? Uh, Matt Rule, R-H-U. He's in his third year. Really? <laughs> Does anyone know that? <laughs> See, these are the things. Yeah, but my knowledge just isn't. I just know local teams these days. You're not up on the Carolina Panthers on the glory of Cam Newton, Jake Delhomme, and uh, uh, Steve Smith. I think that's all the Carolina Panthers that I know. I think I just running McCaffrey. Their running backs really Christian McCaffrey is great. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know what? Uh, the Browns looked amazing for three quarters, and it looked like they were just going to – the D was great. They were harassing Mayfield all game long. Mayfield looked terrible in the first half. He had a bad first half is what I read. Terrible in the first half. Mm-hmm. Then he really – he was better in the second half, but nothing spectacular. But then in the fourth quarter, it was like the Browns' defense – it was like their defensive coordinator told them, uh, just do whatever you want now. Uh, we've got this. No need. You can you can take the quarter off if you want because it's like, <laughs> hello, that guy is running down the field. Does anyone want to come? Anyone? Well, no? we got like a seventy-five yard TD, right? Yeah, I mean that, that guy was so wide open. God. Yeah. And then Mayfield, you know, you know Mayfield drives, and I thought uh, the Panthers' clock management was awful because. The they kicked a field goal with a minute 13 left, and they still had an extra down with a minute 13 left. Why not try to score a touchdown? So they kicked the field goal on third down with 113 left, right? And no timeouts. I was like, You're an idiot. That's really dumb. And Tony Romo was like, Wow. <laughs> and Tony Romo was like, The Browns kicker is like, um one of the best new kickers in the NFL, like his leg is like, he's a long range threat. Like Tony Romo knew this. Apparently the Panthers head coach did not. Um, Unbelievable. I felt like 113. So how many timeouts did the Browns have? Zero. The Browns didn't have any timeouts left. The Browns had no timeouts left. So he could have ran off 40 more seconds and kicked the field goal, right? Or gone for the touchdown and made Brissett and make Brissett drive the length of the field because uh, you got to score a touchdown. Wow, uh, you should be fired. That's just terrible, terrible, terrible. Was he looking at his play sheet while he was making these decisions? Uh, you know, no, he, had, he was more <laughs> like remember Art Shell for the LA Raiders, where Art yeah. Shell would just kind of stare off into space. You know? <laughs> Or who's the guy? Who is the coach of the Lions? Caldwell. Yeah. Is that Caldwell? Just like stared out there. You know, he was in the running for the Bears coaching job. I. You know what? I. Uh, 
I make fun of Caldwell, but Caldwell and Shell were both considered very good coaches. But this guy reminded me of those guys because just he, every time you go to him, he's got this stone face. <laughs> um, I think a lot of it's dealing with stress, though. How do you deal with stress? Absolutely. Stone face, stare at your play sheet. Yeah. Tug or, on your hooded sweatshirt. Or just talking your uh, um, yeah, your your head your head head yeah. gear all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing I'll say is that Panthers fans were out of their minds because there was a roughing the passer call mm-hmm. that gave the Browns 15 yards on that uh, on that last drive, mm-hmm. and I thought that call was pretty questionable. Um, I'll be honest. However, uh, the refs were awful all game long. <laughs> and like, I mean, they were terrible, terrible crew. So was it was in Carolina, right? It was in Carolina. So but still a 58 yarder to win it. That, crazy. That, kick, that kick would have been good. That kick not only was it good from 58, but it like hit the nets and the nets like wow. That would have been good from like 68. Amazing. So good young. You know some kid in Lake Zurich High School, which is you know here, he kicked a 51 yard field goal to win a game last weekend. You know, um, uh, 51 yarder and you're in high school. You know, uh, when uh, I was at the Northwestern game, uh, the Nebraska, one of the things they had was they had a field goal kicking contest and they found these two uh, high school kids from Ireland. These guys were like, these guys were drilling 45, 50 yards, like no problem. I was like, it's just different over there. Man. I was like, man, just get these. I was like, these two could kick in the NFL right now. I mean, they're yeah. like, just no problem. Uh, amazing. So uh, I know Bears, we're going to talk. The Bears okay. kicker might want to learn how to kick extra points. I think it was the conditions on those. That could be. I'm not, I'm not going to be worried about because he was really good last year. Uh, I think he'll be fine. I think that was just a weather thing. Right. But uh, before we move on to baseball, and I know we're going to talk NFL next week. So what's your outlook after the Browns game? What do you think? I think if the Browns can somehow eke out a even four and four and seven. Um, I mean, it, it, a lot depends on um, I'm just looking up their schedule now. Um Steelers and the Bengals, neither one of them looked good yesterday. That might help. Yeah. So they've got the Jets. Uh, they've got the Jets next week. That is winnable. Mm-hmm. Then, like, four days later, the Steelers come. The Steelers, I did not. Trubisky, did you watch any of the highlights? Trubisky was not good. <laughs> I you know what's funny is I recorded the Chiefs game. And – since I'm not watching the game in Kansas City, I'm watching it here. They had the end of the Steelers and the um, Bengals overtime. So I watched that whole overtime. I'm like, man, both these teams look terrible. <laughs> it's the Matt. Look good. Like, I think I, Burrow looked confused, which is weird because he was great last year. I know. And the Steelers didn't look. I mean, the Steelers do have that Fitzpatrick guy in defense. He's really good. He right. made a lot. He made two or three big plays for them yesterday, or else they would have lost. And he he blocked that extra point. 
blocked extra point interception for a touchdown. And I think he did one other thing, but I was not impressed with them. I mean, you know, they, uh, they're no juggernaut Chicago bears is what I'm saying. Uh, their, their schedule is tough. I mean, Browns is? I think so. I mean, they've got the Falcons, then the Chargers, then the Patriots, then the Ravens. Patriots, the- though, Patriots had a bad game yesterday. It's hard to know whether they're bad or whether the Dolphins are for real. Yeah, there was a long article on – is Tua – is that his first name? Tua, their quarterback? Yeah. That if he's good, they think the Dolphins could be really good because they have enough around him. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, we'll we'll see. I mean, it was just a weird opening weekend because the Rams got crushed by the Bills. Yeah, it's hard to know. You can't say Rams lost, Packers lost, Patriots. A lot of good teams did not look good. 49ers opening day. Yeah, 49ers. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll see. Um, but if we'll the, talk, we'll talk more next week. If they can be somehow five and six, then you've got. That then you then Watson's back, and then you've got six more games. So if they can somehow put together four and two, then that that's nine and eight, maybe ten and seven. Is that enough to get you in the playoffs? I don't know. That is maybe. I mean, if you, I mean, I'm just judging from opening day, but there might be a lot of guys in the middle this year. Might be. A lot of teams might be average, and that would help. It would be. I think it – plus that division is so tough because all three – Until teams, the juggernaut Chicago Bears pull away from the pack. Len has already reserved <laughs> his uh, parade seats uh, in Grant Park for the Super Bowl uh, parade. Yeah. Um, should we move on to MLB? Yes. I have a – question already okay <laughs> the guardians do they really end the season with six home games against the royals yes how does that happen i think it's because they had a lot so many rainouts. so it's it should have only been like three or four but they're adding two games i believe so they they, they play that's, re- that's really good luck for them because the royals are bad the royals are bad. they have eight more games against the twins and the twins are under 500 now yeah, the Twins are just tanking. And uh, they have five more games against the Sox. The Guardians do. Those are the big ones. Those, it's huge. Because the Sox are playing better. This is the first stretch where the Sox have looked like a good team all year. I mean, TL, you know, <laughs> TL finally, you know, <laughs> uh, the, you know, the, the liquor box nights with me and Boylan finally did him in. He needed a rest. He's in our diamond listeners box right now, holding up a sign that says, why are they not walking people when the count is one and two? <laughs> he did it again against the guardians. No. Amazing. Yeah. But I mean, come on. I, this is what I was afraid of back in June and July. I was like the socks, all you need to do is fire La Russa and whoever comes in, the, the socks will take off and we're seeing it now. Mm-hmm. They're, I think, nine and four last 13 games. Yeah. And 
with a thrilling win too. that A's game. Right. Scored five runs in the ninth. I mean, and, and they get a guy like Andrus and he's going crazy. All right. Those are type of things that can give you the momentum. So those guardian, that's, that might be the division, those five games against guardians. They, I'm looking to see the guardians did win tonight behind a sterling pitching effort from Mr. Connor Pilkey. Oh, <laughs> bravo. Connor Mr. I was mad at him <laughs> when he gave up two tying runs in the fifth. I was like, Connor. <laughs> but uh he pitched well into so are uh, up three now then? Are you up three in the Sox? Uh I yeah, three because the Sox didn't play. Yeah, the Sox play the Rockies, but they play the Rockies here, which will help because the Rockies aren't good. But I feel like if you play the Rockies in Colorado, anything can happen. They're tough. So you think that you think the Sox would be able to win that series easily. So, so what do you think? What do you think is going to happen? I know I asked you this. I've been asking this all year. <laughs> I, the Guardians confound expectations. Just when I think they're dead, they, um, you know, they. Um, they rise up and just when I think, okay, they're really turning a corner, it's like they so, but they're the youngest team in the major leagues. I, I can't believe they're even contending. Yeah. Um, I thought it was gonna be kind of a I to me, and I think we talked about it at the beginning of the season. I was thinking like if they are a 500 team, that is, you know, that'll be amazing. But I think Francona has done it again. Francona reminds me of, remember Felipe Alou for the Expos? Yeah. He always had those, like, he was shorthanded. He had no budget. He was handed guys who were really young, and he, you know, he won. He, he consistently won with whatever team he was given, and that's Francona. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, these guys are all, like, um, you know, fresh out of the minors um, and, uh, you know, what he's getting out of. Here are my favorite Guardians right now. One, Ramirez. Two, Naylor. Screaming Josh Naylor. <laughs> Three, uh, Tristan. Uh, I weigh 109 pounds. Uh, I make Carl Edwards Jr. look like a bodybuilder. Uh, McKenzie. I love McKenzie. Um, well, your rotation's pretty strong now, right? The problem there is that both Savale and Plezak, uh both got hurt. Oh yeah, I did. I did read that. Mm -hmm. So now you've got to pitch guys like Pilkington. Um, but you know, Pilkington's got to step up. Mm -hmm. uh, but Bieber, Quantrill, and um, McKenzie are. I mean, Quantrill's come on. Miss Cal Quantrill who he basically thinks he is Clayton Kershaw. I, you've got to see a Cal Quantrill press conference. I mean, this guy is amazing. <laughs> he thinks he's the finest pitcher of all time. <laughs> I, just, he, I just love it. It's love like it. those fake press conferences they had at World B Free Fantasy Camp for you. Yes. Well, I, I went to the Cal Quantrill School of Self-Confidence. That's <laughs> nice. nice. I just said, what my teammates need to do is support me better because I am clearly the finest point guard 
uh, in the country. Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. That's that's Quantrill. I, I was like, oh, I didn't realize you were a multiple Cy Young Award winner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, finally, uh, uh, to my top five, Quan. I, Quan, he's the best. Little guy. He, he might be rookie of the year. He could be, he could, he's come out of nowhere, but he um, leads all rookies in hits, runs scored, batting average. Uh, that, that guy, they're, they're talking about- He'll this. be rookie of the year. <laughs> Julio Rodriguez is probably going to win it. Who's um, Julio Rodriguez? He's with the Mariners. He's a pitcher? Uh, no, he's an, I think he's an outfielder. Why would he get it when Quan is leading all those categories? Because Rodriguez has a lot more home runs. Oh, okay. And uh, chicks dig the long ball. It'll be close, though. They're both in playoff contention. So. I think the Guardians have to make it and because the Mariners are on fire. Yeah. Mariners are doing really well. Mm -hmm. So, Well, the wild card race, I feel like, is pretty much over now. Looks like it's going to be the Rays, Blue Jays, and the uh, Mariners. Right, because aren't they way up now? They are. I just want they they really are. I just want the Guardians. If the Guardians win the division, I just want them to finish with a better record than the Orioles, because the Orioles just spanked Cleveland all around the field. Mm -hmm. If they make the playoffs and the Orioles don't, the Orioles are going to be like, really? <laughs> These jokers are in the playoffs. And <laughs> I like that. These jokers, like they're all sitting around playing poker in the clubhouse. <laughs> These jokers are going to make the playoffs. Those jokers over in Cleveland. Stupid jokers. Anyway, um, so yeah, more to come, more to come. Now, the Cubs, uh, they Ricketts, uh, Ricketts was quoted as saying, we're going to be active in free agency. We're going to spend money. Mm-hmm. We're going to go after, so that means, because there's a bunch of like shortstops that are going to be available. You don't need a shortstop though. Free agents. That's what I'm saying. You I do don't, not need a shortstop. They're I like, oh, let's move Nico to second. How about, no, how about let him play shortstop? He's been good all year. And what about Mandrigal? Use the money on something else. Get a power hitter. That's what we need the most right now. You need a power Which is back. weird because we've had so many power hitters in the past five, six years. And now we have contact hitters, but now we have, I mean, wisdom's like the only guy who can knock it out of the park. The Cubs need to go for broke and sign Aaron Judge. It's going to be a free agent. He's not going to sign with the Cubs. He, he, that's not the type of guy that will sign with the Cubs, I don't think. Judge, I, I, He seems like a Yankee for life. Judge would hit 80 home runs at Wrigley Field. <laughs> I know, but he feels like I feel like that guy just loves being a Yankee. You I might think it would I think it would be a shock if he didn't sign with them. What about Arenado? He might he has the uh option to opt out of his contract, even though he says he won't. He'd be good. He's on the Cardinals beef. <laughs> I'm reading about. I like that you got mad at Connor Pilkington for giving up a homer to Mike Trout. Listen, <laughs> listen, Connor. These are the expectations. 
Throw it at Trout's feet. Beef has September stress this year, Connor Pilkington. Pilkington. Please excuse what he says. Pilkington. And Ernie Clement, my apologies for Beef not including you in his top five. <laughs> Pilkington's walking around the mound saying, yeah, it's Mike Trout, but you know what? Fuck it. I'm Connor Pilkington. <laughs> Connor I, was, I was talking to Kale Quantrill in the dugout. Quantrill's like, no, I can get this trout jump out, no problem. This joker. Quantrill's like, listen, if you want to be on my level, okay, you have to think of trout as a joker. Mm-hmm. Sneak that fastball past him. Trout hits into the upper deck. Pilkington, you idiot. But this is what I would say about the Cubs. They did the same thing they did last year. They trade all of their relievers. And I mean, they're they're competitive, but they have no one to shut the other team down in the late innings. Like Wick's been terrible. Mm-hmm. Brandon Hughes, they're kind of using as the closer now. He's doing okay, but they could have probably 10 more wins if they would have kept their relievers. I mean, they wouldn't be in the playoffs or anything, but it's just, just frustrating because they did the same stuff next year. I mean, last year. So I'm hoping, okay, if they sign these free agents and everything, I hope they're going to do their best to just be competitive the whole year and next year. Not and, to and, it depends, anyone. and it depends what these young guys can do. Like, yeah, they traded their relievers, but who did they get for them? Like that guy was Hayden Wisniewski. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he looked pretty good. Yeah. So that they got rid of what Efros? They they traded Efros and got Wisniewski. Efros, they got rid of Robertson and they got rid of what was that guy's name? Givens, I think. Yeah. So I forget who they got for Robertson and Givens, but you know, it, it just depends on how these guys do, you know, the, 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 the guys that they traded for. So, you know, if, um, well, they need to start like Killian. Um, that's who they, tra- they traded Chris Bryant to get this Killian, Caleb Killian and uh, throw him out there. See, let's see what he's got. I think he was up before, wasn't he? Killian. Um. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, if you get a bunch, if you if these young guys, uh, you know, develop Morel, I think can be a good everyday guy. Um, Hap. Um, Hap has been a big surprise this year. Yeah. I I texted Anthony because he's Anthony who did our baseball preview the past couple of years because he likes Hap. The half is number one in left fielders for ultimate zone percentage, which is a big fielding stat. Yeah. So there's a chance he could get a gold glove this year. And I've never thought of half as like a really good fielder, but he was playing in center. He was playing in right. So maybe just left fields where he settled in and just playing the same place every game has improved his feeling to crazy extent where he might get a gold glove and his bat's been consistent all year he's stopped his home runs are down but his batting average is up and he's driving in the same amount of of you know he's the same amount of rbi he'll have more rbis this year than last year so i feel like he's a better hitter 
He is. Well, last year he he got sent down to the minors. Yeah. He he was good his last month and a half last year. So that's encouraging. So maybe maybe Hap is going to be a consistent player now. But we need need power hitters. Now we got to get our bullpen. We got to get a bullpen. Yep. We have all these pitchers with potential. (laughs) No Cardinals, though. No ex-Cardinals. No Cardinals. Sorry. No Yankees. No Yankees whatsoever. <laughs> Don't you want to deplete the other, the, the, the your enemy team? No, beef. By poaching their best. I realize that violates your principles. Okay. I am a principled man. Love no. It. All right. <laughs> let's move on. Speaking of, uh, let's, let's quit delaying the inevitable. Let's talk about the Chicago sky. Um, no, let's talk more baseball. Uh, uh, let it out, Len. Let it out. Hurtful. James Wade. Hurtful, James Wade wants you to pr- own the loss and process it and come back stronger next year. Um, so, so, do you feel like the sky completely collapsed, or did the sun just, um, you know, just get it together in those last two games? Some of this I wrote on Facebook. The Last two weeks of the regular season, the sky's play dropped because I watched almost every game this year. They looked great until the last two weeks of the season and they struggled. They just did not look as sharp. And then I thought the Liberty, I didn't want to play the Liberty in the first round and we beat them, but it was tough. We lost the first game and then we won the next two. So then we move on to the sun and the sun, we had beaten them all four games this year. Mm -hmm. They're all close, relatively close games, but our advantage always was Vandersloot because Vandersloot always seemed to make big plays against them. Right. And their point guard couldn't cover her, but in the playoffs, they, against the sun, they had too many lapses again. It, it, it was like they lost when they were playing, when they were the, well, I thought they were the best team in the league. They're just consistent every game. And you knew even if they were losing, they were going to come, they were going to have this hot streak. Right. But their, their shooting fell apart. They could not, they lost their consistent shooting. Like Allie Quigley, she was one for 11 in uh, game five. <laughs> and our friend, James Wade, he honestly should have played Dana Evans. He should have brought her in off the bench because no one on your team is making a shot. You got to, and they, he played most of the bench all year. That's what was weird. He kind of cut it down to seven instead of nine. He didn't play, he didn't play Dana Evans and he didn't play Ruthie Hebard, but not playing her isn't as big a deal, but all right. So if no one on your team can make a three pointer, put in your bench person, that's a known as a good shooter. Maybe, you know, you got to try something. They got outscored 18 to zero to end the game. That's insane. That was, uh, I could not believe that. And, but that was the type of stuff that was happening in the last couple of weeks. Like they, I mean, the Storm and the Aces are both two really good teams, but they had bad losses to them at the end of the year. Mm. And even the teams that barely made the playoffs or didn't make the playoffs, they were they might be they might have beaten them, but they were kind of struggling 
like they lost to Minnesota. Minnesota didn't even make the playoffs. So there were just little warnings that maybe they weren't as good as last year. The regular season wasn't good. They were 16 and 16 and they just peaked in the playoffs. Like everything came together for them in the playoffs. This year, I felt like they peaked in the regular season. Did we? And you, you know what? You're the you're the defending champs. Everyone's going after you really hard. Yeah. In Connecticut, I didn't even think Connecticut played great against us. They just they played physical and like uh, Alyssa Thomas. I think she was number three in the MVP voting. She's a really good player. She's their smartest player because she's a good passer. She plays hard, gets a lot of rebounds. I think she she was the difference in the series. Did uh, did Wade call any timeouts or try to do anything differently during that eight? You know what? I didn't. I didn't see the final game because I was out for Darby's birthday. Oh right. And I was checking on my phone, and then I saw it happen. And I'm like, I can't watch this. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping. I was hoping they would win, and I could come home and watch it because I DVR'd it. I'm like, I can't. It'd be too painful to watch. Yeah. But what I heard was Copper got in a fight with Bonner. And that just kind of turned around. Like after that fight, it was like all Connecticut after that. Ooh. And uh, but was see, anyone was anyone ejected on that fight? Or no, but it just ignited them. I guess so. It ignited them, and the sky decided not to make any more shots. They only scored five points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you're not going to win many games like that. They should have played basketball with us last night. They would have fit in. <laughs> they were giving so, shooting clinics at the my uh, <laughs> my fantasy camp. They did show up. <laughs> they were there, and it's so disappointing because they're they're such a fun team to watch. They move the ball. And like a, normally they're nine or 10 deep. I mean, they only have 10 people on the roster. Right. And it just, it's just really disappointing. I thought, I thought they'd make it to the finals and lose because the aces look like the best team. I didn't expect them to lose to Connecticut. I thought we would at least figure out how to get to the finals again. Yeah. They're so clear right there knocking on the door. Well, they were up two to one. They lost two in a row. They, I think they'd only lost two games in a row once, maybe Amazing. before that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They were super consistent. You just like you never felt like they were gonna lose in the regular season. You felt confident in every game, even the ones they lost. You know what I mean? It was just like the chemistry was so good. Vandersloot's great point guard. Candace Parker really good. Although Candace Parker, she's overrated. She was, they put her fifth, somebody voted for her as MVP. And I'm like, she wasn't even the best player in the sky this year. Right. I think the most consistent player on the sky this year was Misaman. She was the one who every game I thought played well. It's just because she's a legend. So she, they, you know, they got her, she came in fast. I was like, what? Yeah. And Maybe it's because she's older too. So she she might play great one game and then the next game just not do much. I right. mean, she had a, she had a great game one of against Connecticut. She was the only one in the sky who played well, and the sky lost. 
but then they bounce back and I'm like, okay, now they're going to, they're going to win. And even when watching game four, which was a relatively close game that the sky lost, I'm like, ah, they'll win game five. I didn't think they were going to lose. No, I didn't. Something, something happened towards the end of the year. I don't know if I'm trying to figure it out, but I'm not, I'm just not really sure. Well, quickly, quickly didn't play well. Yeah. Azaree Stevens had a bad series against Connecticut. And Azaree Stevens is really good. She's like their first person off the bench usually. So, but sometimes I think you just got to, like I said, try something else. I mean, if your team's not looking sharp, throw somebody else in there who's hungrier and maybe that'll be the difference or maybe that'll shock the starters into, okay, we need to play better. And the sad thing is, Vandersloot is a free agent. There's rumors she's going to sign with Seattle because Sue Bird retired. Quigley and Candace Parker might retire. Miesemann's a free agent. I think is Copper a free agent? Copper might have one more year, but they could lose almost half their team. So it might next year might just if they don't figure out a way to keep these guys they might have almost a whole new team so oh boy yeah it's it's sad because even Vandersloot after the game she was just shocked how sudden it was she's like I can't you know I can't believe it right and this was a team you didn't lose to in the regular season not that they're not a good team they were the number three team in the league so they're right behind the sky but they had struggled against this guy. And I thought, you know what, we're, we just match up better against them. And Connecticut didn't have the depth that this guy did. So I thought we could beat him again, but. The, uh, I saw that Connecticut's coach after losing game three, he was caught on a hot mic saying, I'm going to get fired because these girls can't make a layup. Yeah. <laughs> he said, Simon, he said kind of a dickish thing after game five, he goes, Two of the last three years, we were the ones who knocked Candace Parker out of the playoffs. I'm like, why are you saying that? Just enjoy the fact that you made the finals. I thought that was just a dumb comment. Yeah. Uh, like a petty kind of thing. It's like, oh, okay. Good job. How many championships do you have? They're Zero? Like, you're not gonna beat the you're not gonna beat the aces. They lost game one. It was close though. I'm actually I'm I'm officially a WNBA fan though. I'm gonna watch the game tomorrow. You are I you um I can't even make the Jaws joke now because <laughs> you've seen it. <laughs> I can't even I'm I don't know I my world has been turned upside down. <laughs> Why were you gonna make a Jaws joke? I was going to say, you are going to watch the WNBA final. <laughs> Never seen Jaws. But you're going to watch the WNBA finals. Right. Uh, now I can't. Now I got to go to Miami Vice, but it doesn't have the power. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, Dan Lapke, our friend Dan Lapke, yeah. who has like never goes to the movies. He was laughing. He goes, that's the one movie I've seen that you haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Should we talk about Jaws right now or should we do I recommend and... All right, let's talk Jaws since we brought it up. Let's do it. I mean, was it it worth the wait? Oh, man. Not that you've been waiting. 
first of all, why haven't <laughs> you seen Oz? First of all, just I you think... had to be like, you had to have the opportunity and you just were like, no, no, I'm not going to watch it. I haven't though, which is odd because, um, you know, I mean, a lot of my friends are like us, big pop culture people, but I don't remember ever being somewhere and people going, hey, let's put Jaws on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> how many times have I watched Days and Confused? Not that I minded, but just because we were hanging out at somebody's house and somebody threw it on. Right. But Jaws never, for whatever reason, was like that. Also, I was only nine years old when it came out, so I couldn't go see it. Sure. If it came out a few years later, I probably would have gone and seen it. What about when it was on like network television? I don't know. I don't know. It just never, never happened. It's it's strange, I guess. All right. So what? Okay. So what caused the change where you're like, talk, talk me through the thought process that made you say, <laughs> yes. This yes. is how it happened. Yes, <laughs> I will watch it. Yes. This is how it happened. Okay. So AMC and I guess some other movie chains, September 3rd, $3 all day. Any movie you want to see. Oh, like on the TV. I, what do you mean on the TV? So the, uh, okay, I was thinking like AMC movie theaters. But no, this, in the theater. In oh, the theater. in the theater. Okay. I saw it in the theater. Wow. Great. Yeah. I, I, that's why. That's why you. Okay. That's why you did it. You must not have read my Facebook post. I've, I've been. Uh, at you were. I was a world too busy tying Craig Elo shoelaces. I was hanging out with Henry, the Craig Elo experience. <laughs> And trying to get Alex to not bring a tennis ball onto the basketball court. Um, <laughs> and go, hey, Sanders, love 20. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, was, I was otherwise occupied. So I missed that post. So $3. $3. And I told, I told Laura, I said, me and Henry got to go see a movie. Three bucks? Are you kidding me? Right. So what happens that weekend was IMAX Jaws weekend. <laughs> I don't know why. It's not an anniversary. It's 1975 it came out. Right. But for some reason, they released Jaws. It was like Destiny Beef. <laughs> and Henry, he'd seen part of it before with his cousins, I guess. They watched it at their house or something. Right. Henry also owns a Jaws shirt before he'd even seen the whole movie. Wow. So I go, Henry, you want to go see Jaws? On Saturday, it's only three dollars, and he's like, "All right, IMAX Jaws." And awesome. Now, before we get to your review, which yeah, sure, we're interested in, but uh, Henry, <laughs> what about what did Henry think of Jaws? Oh, Henry loved it. He loved it. But he's a big he's a big movie kid. He loves the movies. Right. He always wants to see movies. Um, I saw Jaws with the kids and the, some of the parts in the movie, the, the kids would shout, you know, fake, so fake, fake. And I was like, quiet, quiet. It's very scary. Um, so Henry loved it. And what did you think? Was it worth the wait? 
not that you've been waiting, um, seeing as you would rather watch um, uh, uh, Peaky Blinders uh, <laughs> the, uh, instead of Jaws. <laughs> I've never seen Peaky Blinders either. <laughs> Maybe that'll be my new joke. Um, so wh what were your, what were your thoughts? First of all, who gave, uh, who gave the, uh, performance, whose performance was your favorite? I thought they were all good. Yeah. So you didn't have a so favorite. This is, I was expecting it to be good. I'm like, it's gotta at least be good. Right. It wouldn't have this reputation if it was just okay. Yeah. And uh, I think somebody said Robert Shaw would be who I'd like the best, but I thought they were all good. Because you had, so Shaw's the man, basically, he's, his home is the sea. Yeah. I mean, he's, he was in the uh, Navy. Right. Right. And he's basically dismissing what they want to do. Because he's like, I know how to catch the shark. So you have that, and then you also have they're kind of other two guys are almost outsiders because Scheider is a cop from New York City. Yeah. Who comes to this who's afraid of the water. Who's afraid of the water, which is kind of a <laughs> nice touch. It was really well written too. It's like, yeah, this there's a lot more going on here than I expected. And yeah, like he's a, he's an outsider too. And then Dreyfus is this rich kid, college guy. So it's all these things coming at each other. Who's coming in with all his uh, equipment, his tools? <laughs> Dreyfus looks ridiculous in a wetsuit, by the way. He does. <laughs> but they're all good. They're all believable. I believe I believe all of them. What about uh, what about Murray Hamilton as the mayor? Murray Hamilton was was great. Yeah, and I really thought they should have gone after him more, though. Like he caused these deaths. Yes, he because did. he told Brody, "Nah, that's not what happened." Because yeah. the coroner changed it from shark bite to oh, it could have been a boating accident or whatever they said. Yeah. Right, and. So he's a, he's a, the villain, but they just kind of let him slide. They did. And, but he's the reason the kid dies and the guy who gets killed in the pond. Absolutely. So he's Murray Hamilton is responsible for two deaths or possibly three because, and this one, this scared the hell out of me when Dreyfus went underwater and the, yeah, dead guy comes up. I jumped. I jumped like three times during the movie. What 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 parts did you jump? So the Dreyfus part, terrifying. Terrifying. The shark behind Brody, which oh, is a famous, which is kind of a famous scene. Very but famous. I still was. I didn't know when it was coming. Right. And it looks great. Yeah. I mean, I know your kids think it's fake, but to me, I was like, oh my god, that part looked great. Like, Brody. Like my, I was losing my voice. Brody, there's a shark behind you. Yeah. 
<laughs> you're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> He's like, uh, we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> That's yeah, I knew that was I knew that was coming. But I didn't know about Biesenbach actually asked me about the USS Indianapolis speech. And I had never heard of that somehow. Mm -hmm. I knew I obviously knew the bigger boat and I knew I knew the movie kind of started with the girl getting killed. Right. Famous opener. But they didn't tell me about the other glorious part of the opening, which is the guys drinking from a Falstaff cup. <laughs> At the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Classy. <laughs> I'm like, I'm enjoying the 70s right now. The man is <laughs> drinking and, and he gets drunk and it saves his life. Right. Because he would have went out and swam with her. Yep. But since he was, a, you know, Johnny Falstaff. <laughs> Captain Falstaff. He passes out on the beach and doesn't and, die. Uh, drops you into immediate unconsciousness. Yeah, so after the movie, I went out and got drunk. I'm like, well. Yeah, on the beach. That must that must be what saved you. Uh, yeah, Shaw's speech uh, is um, outstanding. And yeah, that's, that's what I, I said to Henry after the movie. I said... That was such a well-acted scene because Dreyfus and Scheider and Shaw are all yucking it up and singing songs. And then there's just a complete change of tone yeah. where he tells that story. That's hard to do. Yep. That's some good acting. And yeah. On all three? Uh, yeah, all three. All, I mean, I think, honestly, if I had to pick, I think, I actually think Scheider had the hardest part. Because, I mean, Shaw, I guess it would, it'd be hard, <laughs> it'd be hard to not go over the top with that part, but he didn't. Right. So that's, that's, that was a balance he had to have. And I, I wrote on Facebook, I said, I am ready to play. What was his name again? Quint. I am ready to play Quint in the inevitable remake of Jaws. And I will ham it up. <laughs> I will just be screaming about apricot brandy the whole time. But Shaw is so he's Lonergan in the Sting, and he's Quint in uh, and then Black Sunday. Remember Black Sunday? I didn't see Black Sunday. I wasn't real familiar with Shaw. I saw the Sting a long time ago, but I, I didn't remember him. Black so. Sunday is worth your time. Yeah, uh, is he the villain in it? No, he's the uh, he's the hero. He's trying to. Bruce Dern is the crazy villain in the... Uh, oh, Bruce Dern. <laughs> he's flying the Goodyear blimp, trying to kill the Steelers. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, I, I, for me, Sharder's part was the hardest because he has to be afraid because he can't swim. He has to have a sense of authority because he's the chief of police. Right. And he has to almost show the awkwardness of he's got to deal with these people he just met and they're trying to kill a shark. So I think, I think I'd go Scheider. I think he did the best job. And he's a parent. Who's right. 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 Like, you know, well, well, shit, my kid is out there. Yeah. And could get eaten himself. Right. what did you think of Spielberg's direction? Everything, everything was so good. I thought, I thought the movie was great. Very well paced. The pacing, the only the only minor quibble, I guess, towards the end, it slows down a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
there was one point where I realized, all right, they're still in the boat. The sharks thing's going to have to end soon. Yeah. So, but besides that, besides that, I mean, I knew the story that it really helped the movie because the shark didn't work. Because they had to use the shark in a limited amount. It made the movie much better because you never knew when it was going to happen. It wasn't like the shark was there the whole time. Right. It was a lucky break for them. Yeah, they thought it was a horrible thing and it turned out to be the best thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With the, the famous quote, I think it's from Spielberg or from someone connected with the movie that said, the audience's imagination was scarier, mm-hmm. was far more effective than any shark we could have built or made work. And uh, because they were forced to like, you know, the dorsal fin, which became a, you know, a, a symbol of terror. Right. Um, just that fin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, and just shadows and Jesus Christ, that's a huge fish that could eat me. Anyway. Well, yeah, and it felt like it's the sense of place was good too. You know what I mean? Like, that's something I always say about Spike Lee. When he does a movie, you always feel like you're in the actual neighborhood. You feel you felt like you're in the actual place. They set it up well. Like you feel yeah. like, all right, this is a coastal town. This is what they care about. This is how they make their money. You always felt everything was true. I agree. <laughs> a couple I funny things I wrote about the movie. One is <laughs> so Quint, when he's at that meeting, <laughs> he's talking to making his speech. He's like eating the whole time. <laughs> I'm going to sit in this meeting, but I'm going to be eating while we discuss. Oh, nice speech. So he's like, I can see the Shaw going to, <laughs> I can see Spielberg going to Robert Shaw. Uh, Bob, um, we do a take where you're not stuffing your face. <laughs> and then um, uh, Roy Scheider, what he wore in the boat. Like, what are you wearing? He had like jeans on. <laughs> You're going to, to try and kill, kill a shark. Yeah, yeah. Got like, he had like a long sleeve black shirt. I'm like, all right. But uh, I loved it. And I'm glad I saw it on IMAX because it looked great. Yeah, we saw it. We saw it at the Bruin View. And yeah. uh, that's the way to see it. Mm-hmm. So what were your other choices? I need to know what movies Jaws beat. There wasn't much out that weekend. So what do you remember what else was uh... nothing? Because because the reason they have had that three dollar promotion is because Labor Day is one of the worst weekends for movies theaters. Hmm. So that was their way to get people to come in. And it worked. There was the lines were there. The concession stand lines are crazy. Wow. So they, they probably cleaned up on concessions. How was the crowd for the Jaws? Uh, it wasn't full, but, you know, there was a decent amount of people there. Were they engaged? I mean, were they engaged or were they screaming? I think so. Yeah, I felt like they were in, into it. Yeah. That's the way to see it, I feel like. Because uh, we had a great crowd. I remember that. I was like, oh, this is you have to see a movie like Jaws, you know, with a bunch of people that makes it feel bigger than it is. Oh, yeah. Um, well, Len, 
we at Jag Bags, proud of you. Yeah, TL has faxed uh, me, uh, said, I have moved to tears. Not since uh, Rick Honeycutt came in and struck out the style. Have I been prouder of anyone uh, than I am land of seeing Jaws? Um, let's real quick. Should we do? Uh, I recommend our. I recommend. Uh, yeah, why don't you start? Because I've been blabbing about Jaws. I recommend is for those of you who are our new listeners, our initiates, uh, our our, uh, our pledges, as they were. Uh, I recommend is a section where Len and I take a you know a movie, a book. I think we got Len. I think we got your I recommend, which is Jaws. Or do you have another I recommend? I have another one. Oh, uh, so it's a movie. I like that would be. Or... Can I recommend Jaws? I'm the only one who hasn't seen it. Be <laughs> you really? Are. Be, that would be foolish. Uh, it's for the aliens who may be watching or. Uh... <laughs> Dan Lapke has seen Jaws. Be so even Dan Lapke has seen Jaws. Um, so we just recommend uh, something for you, a television show, a movie, book, album, and uh, recommend it for you, the Jag Bags listener. Uh, the book that I, I'm recommending a book, and I read it at fantasy camp, uh, you know, in between suicide drills, because um, I would throw up. And then- Were these in an actual gym or were you- at a park uh we were at a um we were right outside the um sewage uh water treatment facility and they had a you uh, got, you, you got scammed mark price what <laughs> is why would mark price do that you never I, met mark price right uh i almost met him okay. uh, so that, that that's like meeting him uh so tell me it, about the book beef the book that uh i'm re recommending is uh we picked it up and i was like i'd finished my one book and um i was like well now what am i gonna read and i wasn't really into this uh because uh, eileen had picked it up and the book is called do you, is, the book is called the irish assassins by julie cavanaugh have you heard of this book at all? No, I never even heard of it. Mm -mm. Yeah. Um, when did it come out? Do you know? Uh, 2021. Really? And she is a, she's based in uh, Great Britain. And she is the London editor of Vanity Fair. Or she was the London editor of Vanity Fair and also has written for The New Yorker. Mm-hmm. And basically, she mostly writes like biography. She wrote a biography of Rudolf Nureyev, the uh, ballet dancer. She wrote a uh, biography of Frederick Ashton, whom I've never heard of. Oh, and Frederick Ashton. Isn't he on The Guardians? That's Connor Pilkey. Isn't he the backup third baseman? Yes, that's, that's Ernie Clement. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, she wrote... Sounds like a Guardian's name. She wrote a so instead of writing a biography, she wrote a like true crime, uh, a book about the murder of two uh, British um, 
uh, higher ups, like the British governor of Ireland and his number two, they were stabbed to death in a mm. Dublin park. And, wow. uh, and it's just this, it's just the story. And I was like, oh, I, am I going to like this book or not? But, but I started reading it and about 15, 20 pages in, I was hooked. This would be a great movie. Yeah. You know, and just with all the uh, Downton Abbey and uh, the, all the kind of period pieces that you're seeing now, because this was nonstop action. Uh, you've got Queen Victoria involved. You've got the president of the United States uh, involved. Lots of blood, <laughs> lots of stabbings and like long knives. <laughs> these uh, these Irish assassins did not screw around. Wow. And a lot of it is what the author did a great job of doing was tying what happened. I mean, like this was in like the 1880s. So that's like what 140 years ago. She does a great job of tying it to today in like the current, um, you know, uh, situation uh, between England and Ireland. And so you're like, if you ever wondered where the IRA came from, um, if you're ever wondering uh, about, you know, this term or, or that term and just really did a great job that way. And the last thing I'll say about it is that I'm always impressed. You know, sometimes with like when you're telling something that happened in real life, it's kind of hard to condense it because these things can get really complicated. Mm -hmm. And the storyline isn't always linear because you're like, oh, well, then this happened 20 years ago and you have to understand that to right. know it. And that's hard. And she kept like introducing like new character after new character. And I was like, all right, is, is this where I lose interest? But she really did a great job of telling a very good story and then tying it in to the murder plot so we're just a great writer that was going on she's an excellent writer yeah. excellent writer you know what i'm now that i'm thinking about it, i think we do have it but just you know it's one that we probably have like one copy of but i'll take a look when i get back to work tomorrow yeah i wondered like if the, if you even had it or i think it, we did now that i'm thinking about it if it was selling at all i uh, just curious i don't think it has been but i'll take a look at it but that's good that's one i can recommend to people if you're looking i for i was like and like I said, maybe I went into it with expectations of like, well, I'll just kind of page mm -hmm. this and see if it's any good. But I, was, I will look at it while daydreaming about cheesecake. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm looking for a good cheesecake in between the tea and lattes. Anyway, uh, the Irish Assassins by Julie Cavanaugh. Very good book. My I recommend is also a book, Beef. All right. Because I had my deadline, my Hudson booksellers deadline. Oh. I have to do a list of my 10 favorite books of the year. Right. And for the first time, I was ahead of the game because usually I'm kind of scrambling because I, I feel I get free books. So I feel like I'm going to make sure I read at least 10 books I like every year. So I have a good list. 
This year, I think I ran 13 or 14. Wow. So I was on top of it. And so I have my top 10, which will be revealed later in December oh. on the Hudson Booksellers website. Right. This is kind of a big spoiler because this is my favorite of the books I've read this year. It's called The World's Worst Assistant. And Ooh. it's by it's... Sona Mavsishin. And it's about Conan O'Brien's assistant. <laughs> and this book is hilarious. I was laughing out loud at it. That's rare. It was, it was almost the last book I read before my deadline. I'm like, all right, I got to finish this book because it's a contender. Laugh out loud funny. She's a really good writer. I mean, I, I read some other reviews of the book. We're like, oh, the writing's not that. I'm like, the writing is good. I don't know what you're talking about. It's it's just really, really funny stories. It probably helps a little bit if you're a Conan fan. I love Conan O'Brien. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of stories about his relationship with her. And just, <laughs> she scammed a way to watch episodes of friends all week <laughs> that was like her job for the week and just like her stories about getting all these free meals and trying to do as little as possible it's like a slacker updated slacker story yeah and i was really i mean i thought i would like it because it's about it's about her and Conan. So I'm like, well, at minimum, I'm going to have interest in it. But she was killing me. She was making me laugh practically every chapter. That's like, all right, I have a surprise. I have a surprise number one. And it's, it's kind of, I think what I wrote in one of the reviews I wrote is um, it's kind of like a eulogy for Conan's talk show years because I think she started as his assistant when he moved to TBS. So okay. she's been his assistant for that long. And there's also a story in the book where um, Camille, Camille Najami, I forgot how you say his name. He's, he was on Silicon Valley and he was just in the Atrino. He is. He was on uh, Kenobi and he was just in okay. the Eternals. Yep, yep. He was supposed to be on the show, but he couldn't make it. And they had to film, so they put her on. <laughs> so that's a good story. So she got to be on TV. Awesome. And people like her so much that now Conan has this crazy popular podcast. She's on it with him every week. Oh, so she's really getting famous. Now so it's, a, it's, yeah, it's a big success story. Good for her. She was like this... <laughs> barely competent assistant who <laughs> now is like almost a celebrity because she's on a podcast that people love to listen to. I mean, I, I think anybody would like it because it's really funny. Obviously, if you're a Conan fan, you probably love it like I did. The world's worst assistant. Yeah. That is a, I'll definitely check that out. Um, or should we do Rolling Stones top 500? Yes. How many you have this week? I don't want to upstage the debut, uh, <laughs> the uh, Lend list. So I'll only do one this week. Okay. <laughs> Just one. I'll pick it back up next week. All right. Uh, so the album is 
number 305. The album. You know, that's pretty good, Beef. You're up to 305. That's not bad. Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. getting there. The album is by the group Kiss. Perhaps you've heard of them. The album is called Alive. Can I say something real quick, Beef? <laughs> Talk about Alive. Talk to me. No, no, it's not about Alive. It's about Kiss. So I, I don't know if it was, it was either last Halloween or two Halloweens ago. Yeah. <laughs> it was trick-or-treating with Darby and this guy was sitting on his porch giving out candy and he had a kiss shirt on <laughs> I went kiss rules and he goes yeah they do <laughs> I remember I think I was in fourth or fifth grade and I was like show and tell and <laughs> this kid David Mitchell brought in a kiss record for show and tell and he was like yeah I'll be the coolest kid i got this kiss record and i was like Ooh. and he started to play it so the teacher's gonna let him play this kiss record <laughs> and this girl laura schultz i'll never forget this laura schultz starts crying like please don't play the kiss record no because she thought like satan yeah mm-hmm evil evil spirits were going to come out like i'll never forget that i was like well maybe he shouldn't play this i mean we're all like eight or nine years old yeah, yeah. you don't know what's going on no uh but david what was his name david mitchell he knew david mitchell understood he understood the jams he probably showed up at school on his motorcycle smoking a cigarette and brought that F- kiss album in f yes he always looked 32 that's how I imagine it. That's great that it. That's that's what I pictured when you said this. Yeah, yeah. kiss record. <laughs> His voice had already changed. At <laughs> yeah, fourth grade. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, okay, number three hundred five. That's the, the, the kiss alive should be much higher, in my opinion. Is it a top 100 album of all time? Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Damn right it is. This is, it's 305 is way too low. Kind of, a, I'm biased. Uh, but there's not a bad cut on that. And that's a three LP. And that's rare. Yeah, um, they, just, they'll be playing the version of rock and roll night, rock and roll all night forever. That's the one they always play as the live version. Yep. That whole record, uh, they should play every cut uh, on the radio um, <laughs> from instead of the studio version. Like they, just jams. It's if you really if you own only if you are new to the Kiss, you know if you're a young person, you're like what is kiss <laughs> what album should i buy buy alive do not buy destroyer yes buy destroyer destroyer is yeah, the you should buy destroyer destroyer i love great. destroyer destroyer is great either buy just okay quick what's better destroyer or alive destroyer but alive i don't know that well i think it, we might have had it in our house but destroyer is my favorite I'm going to go alive simply because there's more kiss for the money. And it's David Mitchell endorsed. So is he going to be on our podcast soon? I'm going to bring him in. He's going to say, damn right. Uh, I I forget what album he brought in. (laughs) 
You probably brought it. Well, I'd have to look. So that would be 75. Wait, no, what year was it? How old were you? Fourth grade. I was nine years old. So 1978. 1978. Let me look up Kisses. Look that up. Discography while you continue. Uh, So, yes, I will say that as far as live albums go, like all time great live albums. It could be. I'm going to say top 10 all time live albums. I'm going to say low, like maybe nine or 10, but it does make top 10, my top 10 all time live albums. Yeah, I love Kiss. So it could have been Love Gun. Love Gun came out in 77. Very possible. But, you know, Destroyer and Rock and Roll over 76, Love Gun 77. To me, that's peak kiss right there is yeah. 76, 77. Yeah, agreed. I love all three of those albums. Agreed. And so that's my that's my Rolling Stone top 500. All right. mm-hmm. We're getting there, Beef. We're getting there. Yep. So should we go on to the Dave Grohl bracket? Uh, real quick, real quick, because I know you don't really like, you don't like Foo Fighters, right? I think they're bland and boring. So you don't like any of their songs except for My Hero? I liked My Hero. That's a good song. That's yeah. it, though? You don't like any of their uh, other songs? What's the other song that, um, I don't know, the? it was off the color and the shape. It's the big hit. This is a call or I'll stick around? Um, uh, oh, color and the shape, Monkey Wrench? Is that the... No, that's Everlong. Yeah, Everlong. Oh, you like the two finalists. Yeah, I like Everlong. So it was a beef bracket. Yeah, I like Everlong. And my hero only won by a vote. Yeah. If I had voted, if I had voted, I would have voted for Everlong, I think. That would have been a tie then. Yeah. I would have, and, would, and they go on to a committee meeting to discuss oh, who would win. Windowless yeah. committee meeting. Uh I would have taken six or seven weeks to determine the winner. <laughs> red tape. But what surprised me was, okay, so it's a Dave Grohl bracket, but usually Smells Like Teen Spirit, you put that in a bracket, it's going to win. Yeah. Made the final four, but it lost. I think, I don't know if Everlong beat it. I think Everlong, I can't remember if Everlong or My Hero beat it, but I was surprised because Smells Like Teen Spirit is like one of those top 25 songs of all time. But I feel like people don't think of Smells Like Teen Spirit as a Dave Grohl song. Well, my question to you is, what, what's the difference, though? Okay, he sings in Foo Fighters, but, I mean, he was in the band the whole time in Nirvana. He's a drummer. He's a, I mean, his drumming is great. But I feel like... The reason why Nirvana is such a popular band. But that smells like Teen Spirit will be forever associated more with Kurt Cobain than with True. But what would, who, what would you have voted for? Would you have voted for Smells Like Teen Spirit or would you have voted for one of those two Foo Fighters songs you like? That's a great question. I, you know, I think maybe like people felt like it's wrong for Smells Like Teen Spirit to win a Dave Grohl bracket. I probably would have voted for Smells Like Teen Spirit because uh you know like i said i mean i'm I'm just not a dave Grohl fan so i suppose mm-hmm. i would have voted for smells like teens but i would have laughed if smells like teen spirit had won the dave Grohl bracket we came close final four that would have been a commentary on the music of dave Grohl. 
Well, our, our, well, two things about that. Well, our friend, Angie Martinez, she kind of said what you said. She said, I feel like a Dave, it shouldn't be a Foo Fighters song because that feels more like Dave Grohl than Nirvana. Right. right. And that's what happened. Uh, and yeah. our friend, Kim, our marketing director, Kim yes. DeClaire, texted me and said, I can't believe it, Len. I'm voting for both Foo Fighters songs in the final four. Kim, who scolded me for not voting in this brand. <laughs> she didn't know she don't, you don't like Foo Fighters. Uh, and uh, and uh, look, I was sweating with Chris Dudley. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so unavailable. Um, uh, anyway, that was funny. I, I'm not sure how I would have voted. Uh, not, I mean, I like the Foo Fighters. So Nirvana, I love two of their albums. Never mind and unplugged, but I hate in utero. I was glad nothing from in utero went very far. Except for dumb. I do like dumb. That's what I realized. I'm like, I do like dumb. I think that's a good song. But the rest of in utero, no. What about Everlong versus uh the, the winner? Who would you my hero? Who would I you? think Everlong. I probably would have picked. I like both songs, but I would have probably picked Everlong. Mm. I like some of this. My favorite Foo Fighters album, which will show up, little foreshadowing, not today, but at some point, is In Your Honor. Because I think that album, it's a double album. The first, the side one's like all jams, and then side two's more mellow. That's right. my favorite album of theirs. I think my favorite song in there is DOA. Do you know that song? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I think so. That might be my favorite Foo Fighters song. To me, they all kind of run together. I, you know, I'm not going to be negative about uh, um, about the Food Fighters. Yeah. I'm not be negative about the <laughs> diplomatic. Good I, I'm I'm now puzzled. I'm like, would I have voted for Teen Spirit or My Hero or Everlong? I don't know. I, don't know. I guess they do feel like separate things. Like when you're voting, let's say if it was Beatles solo against, if you were doing a, if I said, all right, Paul McCartney bracket, but I put all the Beatles songs in there, would you vote for Band on the Run over yesterday? I'll, I'll take this a step further. What if you were doing a George Harrison bracket and you put in like, I saw her standing there or uh, Day Tripper? Which See, that'd be different though because the greatest song of all time. He's in the he's in the band, but you can separate it because you're like, well, he didn't write that or he doesn't sing on that. And I guess it's the same argument though, because if Dave Girl's only playing the drums and that singing or didn't write the song, Nirvana song, I guess I guess that's the same argument. Yeah. So I don't think I could have vote, I don't think I would vote for like Day Tripper in a George Harrison. I think you would though. Bracket. I'll always vote for Dave. <laughs> I think Nature for wins any bracket for you. Any excuse <laughs> I can get to mention that Dave Tripper is the finest song I've ever done. Yeah. Um, I will take it, seize it. Yeah. But uh, it was again another fun bracket. It was it was interesting to see how it went. So I'm what's, glad I did it. What's the next bracket in the Len calendar? It's gonna be my Wow, B is really enjoying 
his little joke. Uh, he's, so cool. he's in hysterics. I just made that up right now. Wow. Ah. Amazing. Thank you. I, I'm <laughs> Are you sure you went to a fantasy basketball camp? You didn't go to the carrot tap, carrot top quick wit camp? I went to the Oscar Wilde wit camp. <laughs> uh, that explains the mustache you've grown. <laughs> my my ascot. <laughs> Your mustache and ascot. And my tea. Uh, well, we're going to talk about it in two weeks. My monstrous Jackson's bracket. Oh, man. 96 songs. We will have Monster. Jackson five songs. We will have Jackson songs. Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson, Jermaine Jackson. Yes, LaToya Jackson has a song in it. Darn right. And yes, Reby Jackson has a song in it. What about, so that's it. That's all the, no Tito or Marlon or. You Ray. know what? Uh, I looked up Marlon I don't, today. I don't I know. I looked up Marlon today. Jackson. He did have one solo album. Marlon Jackson. But I don't think anyone knows any of the songs. I'm going to listen to it though. I need to know your opinion of the Marlon Jackson. I have not listened to a Marlon Jackson album. I've been listening. When we have these things scheduled, Beeve, I just try to listen to everything. So I've listened to I've listened to a lot of Jacksons and Michael Jackson. Now I got to start listening to Janet and Jermaine. And you know, I think Latoya has like eight albums or something crazy. I looked her up and I'm wow. like, wow. So, yeah, I did not know that. Yeah. So I'm going to do my best to listen to as many as possible in preparation for our podcast and the bracket. So the Marlon Jackson album is called Baby Tonight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hit from the, the hit single is called Don't Go. Don't Go. All right, well, we'll see what Marlon has in store for me. And Baby Tonight peaked at number 22 on top R&B albums. Uh, yeah, but that's R&B albums. Was, was anything happen in the actual main Billboard chart? Oh, how discerning. We- <laughs> well, that well, makes it like what anyone has heard is what I'm saying. Yeah. No, it did not. It's like Jackson's completists. Uh, it did not um, it did not uh, meet your uh, requirements for uh, popularity Uh, I don't don't think so as of now it doesn't Marlon Jackson never made another solo album after Baby Tonight okay well let's wrap up this recap episode and our return to season three with our newest segment my 500 favorite albums of all time that i've been preparing all year i'm finally ready oh man what a night what a now night. keep in mind a few things everyone it's my favorites there's going to be albums i really like that aren't on there just because i don't feel like i put the time in to me i think if it's a favorite you had to have listened to it a good amount because I've done a lot of deep dives in the past 10 years. So I could say there's Bowie albums, Stevie Wonder albums, Dylan albums that maybe could have made it, but I I didn't feel right putting them in because I'm like, yeah, I've listened to them and I like them a lot, but I think I need to put the ones that I've listened to 
probably the most. So that's the way I look at it. Okay. And I did a Facebook post a few years ago with my top 50 albums. And my rules for that were only one artist had only one album per artist and no greatest hits and, and no greatest hits. But I changed that. Now it's everything goes live albums, greatest hits. There's going to be tons of, if you know me, you're going to probably figure out there's going to be a lot of certain groups and musical artists in this top 500. And Beav's job, <laughs> after I say the album and talk about it a little bit, Beav is going to either say, yes, he likes the album. No, he does not like the album. Three, he's never heard the album. Right. And when we get further on, well, actually, no, he might even use it earlier than that, is he's going to say pavement. I'm going to give it now, a pavement. If you've been paying it, <laughs> if you're a regular listener to our podcast, we've been doing this Rolling Stone Top 500 albums things probably almost since we started. Since the dawn of time. <laughs> and we were shocked that Pavement had like 87 albums in <laughs> Rolling Stones Top 500. So if Beeb thinks a musical artist is overrepresented in my countdown, he is just going to call Pavement. And he's going to keep a running count. I'll give I'm going to do pavement. five albums a week. So this is going to take us a couple of years. But he will keep he will keep a running total. You keep the total, Beeb, not Alex, because I want to see how it ends up. Well, yeah, good, probably a good idea. Yeah. He's, he's still in jail over the Mike Sanders incident. <laughs> he is. He's always in jail. <laughs> it's a rough crew I am run with. Uh, prison. Well, I don't know how rough he is, but he doesn't really know where it is ever. So that, right. that creates problems. Psychedelic drug use, cosplay. <laughs> And it's a wonder I keep it random deep. supermarket picketing. I don't know why he does that all the time. K lens uh, memorial. <laughs> he always has a picket sign. I don't, it's just strange. I have picket signs are a recurring theme here at Jag Bags. People will just show up with picket signs. Right. It's like, it's all right, like, let's, let's do it, Beef. Let's, okay. let's, let's start it off. All right, I'm ready. Number five, number 500 album. Okay. Is the capital years 1995 to 2007 by the Dandy Warhols. That's the 500 best album of all time. My favorite. No. Your favorite, 500 favorite. favorite album of all time. I am going to vote no. <laughs> uh, did you ever see that? Um, uh, it was a documentary on the Dandy. Yes, that's what made me start listening to them. And they they compared them to the, the Brian Jonestown massacre. massacre. Yeah, that was a good movie. That was a good really documentary. good, really good. And that's what made me start listening to them. I put them in like the Foo Fighters kind of. Camp. You don't, you really you don't like them at all? Huh? No, they're just not a fan. Not wow. My team. Wow. Um, yeah, I like them a lot. And this collects a lot of their best stuff. Their, <laughs> their lead singer and their main songwriter, his name is Courtney Taylor Taylor. <laughs> and, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. And <laughs> somehow I missed that, even though I saw the documentary. Yeah. 
And uh, just my favorite songs on this are Boys Better, which is featured in Dig. Godless, yeah. also featured in Dig. Get Off, excellent song. We Used to Be Friends, which was the theme to Veronica Mars' TV show. And my favorite, Bohemian Like You, which, <laughs> which is basically about this guy who he's trying to get with this girl. So he's acting like he's a bohemian. Right, and the lyrics yeah. are really funny because he's like, oh, who's that guy sleeping on your couch? And it's like her ex-boyfriend. He's like, oh, that's okay. That's cool. And that's <laughs> like, because I like you. Yeah, I like you. And I'm feeling so bohemian like you. It's a great song. That's a, I like that song. Yeah. Came yeah. out in 2010. That was a big hit, right? It was a hit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was familiar with that and the Veronica Mars song before I saw the documentary. Right. But I, I recommend both of those. Okay. So Beeb is <laughs> scoreboard. We'll, we'll update the scoreboard at the end <laughs> after every five and after every Man. episode. We're going to, I owe you my honesty. No, it's without honestly, my honesty, this, you know, this whole thing, this is how we both grow. I'm learning too, but I'm learning too. About I, as am I, I too am learning. Number 499 is Disintegration by The Cure. Yes. Yes, you do like this one. Love that record. Yeah. Came out in 1989. I didn't realize it was that long ago. 1989. You know, it's one of those, you know, certain... I think what I really like about it is that that will always take me back to 1989. Yeah. Because that record was everywhere. Um in uh like the dorms and you you know you go to like the, the the parties on the weekends and you'd hear it um just just walking around it was such a big part of of uh, that year and, that, and so when i hear it today it always takes me back to that or when i go back to i was i was back for the a new duke game and whenever i go back i always think of like certain the, just like the place makes like what was big what was big back then when you were in college well the that was the cure were big the smiths were big mm-hmm. guns and roses was really big um that's where i saw my first smiths t-shirt was when i was in champagne yeah when i was visiting people in champagne yeah those are the all smiths and rem those are the big rem huge mid 80s i saw them at the rosemont horizon rem yeah and I felt so like that was like first concert, uh, you know, in college. And I was like, wow, I'm going to see a college band <laughs> in college. I'm an adult. You're like, well, this is no invisible touch. But- and I was like, yeah, I mean, I, the cool in the gang is better than R.E.M. So, so yes to Cure Disintegration. All right. Well, let me say a few things about Disintegration real quickly. Yes. Pictures of You is my favorite song in there. I'll get to that in a minute. I don't like Love Song. If, if I like Love Song, this album would probably be up even higher. But Love yeah. Song, I just can't. Overplayed. That's like, I always I just want to skip it when that comes on. Yeah. And Fascination Street was the other hit. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's an album you can get lost in. It's just, yes. it's real. It's like, a except for Love Song. Love Song, I feel like, doesn't belong on there. I feel yeah. like it's real coherent in how everything kind of connects. And 
the last four songs are these huge, like they're six and a half minutes to nine minutes and 19 seconds long. So the last four songs just make it even deeper, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. I read something today that really sums up this song. It's like a mood of self-absorbed gloom because it's about like heartbreak and, and everything, but it doesn't come off somehow doesn't come off whiny, which I think is hard to do. Mm -hmm. You're kind of like, you're with them the whole time, which I think is pretty, pretty impressive. And pictures of you, it's looking so long at those pictures of you, but I never held on to your heart, which I feel like is the whole theme to this album. I had a uh, friend at, who's going through a terrible breakup and he would lose himself in pictures of you and untitled the final song untitled yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but uh his favorite lyrics from pictures of you was the line that said if only i'd thought of the right words yeah yeah uh, it's it's heartbreaking and uh he that would that would just you know like just send him into a yeah and you would be walking in there chewing on a hot pocket like, ignoring, what's going on? ignoring his emotional crisis I'm like you seem sad <laughs> like when are we going to crash that sorority <laughs> so not bad all right 498 is Mr. Tambourine Man by the Birds yes I have a five cd collection of the birds that i bought a few years ago and when i was doing this list i'm like i gotta put one of these on there love the birds so i picked mr tambourine man because it's too short for one it's like 31 minutes long it's way too short yeah. so you can you know you can listen to it a million times right it's got the four dylan covers three of them which i consider classic covers tambourine man chimes of freedom it's all I really want to do. Yep. And the other standout song is I'll Feel a Whole Lot Better by Gene Clark. Classic. He wrote it. Yeah. That's a great song. Any version. The Birds, Tom, Tom Petty's version is fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's just note for note. I mean, he, he didn't try to do anything different. Yeah. The Birds version of it. He just kind of did the Maybe same. a little more rocking. Right. A little bit. Right. And this that one's almost like, a, almost ties in with the Cure album because the lyric in that that I like is, but I didn't know that you were putting me on. I'll feel a whole lot better when you're gone. So it's this guy who's been duped. Yes. And like I said, great album, too short. And the birds... Uh, they have a bunch of good albums, but I, 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 I felt like I should put this one in my 500. Great album. And then my next one. So also, I, like, I also, is the Bells of Rimney, is that on uh, Mr. Tambourine Man? I think so. I think so. I love that song. I'll check, I'll check while we're talking about my next one, which is one. I'll check. I've listened to a good amount. I probably... I feel like this one should be higher, but I feel like I haven't given the minutes to it, but I did want to put it in there. And that is Sentimental Hygiene, Warren Zevon. Yes. Great album. 
Yes. I, li I listened to it yesterday. I'm like, I should be listening to this album all the time. <laughs> but I felt like I couldn't put it up higher because again, I don't, I didn't think I, I've listened to it a good amount where I know all the songs, but not enough where it should be top two or 300. Definitely worthy of it though. And what was funny is <laughs> this is considered Warren Zevon's first sober album. <laughs> <laughs> which is maybe why he put detox mansion on there right which is a great song as is the title cut and i mean the whole album is is just i think every song is good leave my monkey alone was was like a dance hit did you know that i did not know it was a dance hit <laughs> yeah, it was a dance hit i love it and the tragic Boom Boom Mancini, oh. Reconsider Me, which is like a Zivan staple. Like if the people that are deep into Zivan, I feel like consider that one of his greatest songs. And one of his most underrated songs, I think, is The Factory, which has- I love that song. It's a great song. And the lyrics are just scathing. I'd Is kill that, my wife or uh, she'd kill me, but we got to go work in the factory. Yeah. Kicking asbestos in the factory, making polyvinyl chloride in the factory. It's just, just a relentless attack of that kind of life and how workers get abused. And it's a fantastic song. That's, that's one that should be more well-known. And that one, so that one came out in 87. Yeah. It's so funny because where I didn't discover Zivon until I got to the factory, because there are a lot of people that were big fans of his. But Zivon's a kind of guy who's also kind of like under the radar, like, you know, he's more of like a niche. He has a, you know, very passionate niche audience, but a niche audience nonetheless. But I don't know. I didn't know anyone in college who liked Zivon. Even though I, I think when I got into it, well, no, I know we, I knew, I knew Zivon back then because I mean, I've heard of this came out in 87 and me and Oaken used to sing feminine hygiene to sentimental hygiene when we were stocking the health and beauty department. Beef. Oh, so you knew you were in, we would be singing feminine hygiene. <laughs> The only song I knew by Warren Zevon in college was Where, of course, Werewolves of London. Yeah. That was yeah. it. And then Send Lawyers, Guns, and Money. Yeah, that's Laura's favorite song. She loves that song. A good song. Yeah. But that, a, a classic. If you haven't listened to that one, put it on. He's, he's a great songwriter. He's got a real distinct voice. Great lyrics. I, I feel like. All right, put him in the Hall of Fame. I listened to that yesterday. Henry was listening to me. And I was like, because the song titles, some of the song titles are pretty funny too. Yeah. I'm like, Henry, guess what? We get to hear Leave My Monkey Alone in Spanish now. <laughs> <laughs> and now Henry lives elsewhere. Well, Henry was like, he's a, a hobo. <laughs> All right. Life on the road. We're going to do five a week. This is the final one. For okay. this week, number 496, Dr. Feelgood. 
by Motley Crue. I <laughs> love Dr. Feelgood. Really? <laughs> yes. I'm, going wow, to I'm surprised, dude. I'm yes. surprised. Yes. I mean, let's let's be clear. Dr. Feelgood is ridiculous. It is it is ridiculous, but, but that's what makes it great. That's why it's great. You know what though? The critics love this album. Yeah. It jams. It jams. I did, I did my research. And it, it got great reviews. It's also their best-selling album. And just the drums alone, Dr. Feelgood. That's, that's, just, that's a great song. Yeah, there's, it's, it's nonstop. It's, every cut is great. And you were talking about the Factory Theater when we were talking about Zivon. Do you know why this album reminds me of the Factory? Why? At the end of Top Shelf, they would play Kickstart My Heart. Yes. And it was a great a big dance scene at the end of the play. Yeah, awesome. It always reminds me of that play. And also this same old situation. She goes down the subtle poetry of Motley Crue. I never understand what they're talking about. <laughs> they're like ACDC in that. Yeah, I don't get and it. A lot of the lyrics went over my head. <laughs> Very uh, sophisticated. Well, your Oscar Wilde camp probably helped you, <laughs> helped you appreciate that. And also, don't go away mad, just go away. Very wild in. <laughs> the only song I don't really like on it is Without You. And I don't dislike it. It's just kind of an average power ballad. Huge song for them, but not my favorite. But I mean, I was jamming out to it yesterday. I'm like, this is, this is a good album. That's an album that you must play loud yeah you cannot have it in the background um and you know it, it, i love the like play one of those albums like at a party you know like <laughs> like neighbors are over like maybe someone you don't know well just throw that on you're gonna have like a lot of people saying yeah yep, yep. and then you're also gonna have other people like oh yeah he's, he's like that yeah, you know Those what? People that maybe you don't want to meet. <laughs> when I know well. When I was younger, Beav, I was like early high school. I was kind of like that with heavy metal. Because mm -hmm. like the kids who listen to it, you're kind of like, these guys are morons. But then you go listen to it and you're like, well, maybe, maybe they're not morons. <laughs> like, wait a minute, I do think this is a good album. Yeah. Because that's how I was initially with the crew and Iron Maiden. And I love both. I mean, I, Maiden is really good. And like a lot of the people that I would see wearing Maiden shirts, I'm like, I just shake my head. I'm like, fuck, I hate that kid. <laughs> but then I, I go listen to it. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is really good. So what was, okay, let, this is the last uh, question I'll ask about this. What what was the first like heavy metal band that you were like, they rule, I'm a fan? Hmm. While you're thinking about it, I Well, I mean ACDC's heavy metal. ACDC never had that thing yeah. where I was like, I think because maybe because I was younger, because my brother was one of my I have two brothers. My one brother was four years older than me. Him and his friends would always be playing stuff like that, like ACDC and rainbow and Dio and stuff like that so i'd like that stuff already yeah 
So that was before. So I, I had already known ACDC. So yeah, ACDC and trying to think of any other big late 70s metal guys. What about Van Halen? Would you consider them metal or are they more? Nah, I think hard rock for Van Halen. Yeah. But Van Halen, <laughs> my memory of their first album always is my my brother's friends cranking that in their right. cars. They'd be blasting out of their car. Even if they parked their car, they would leave the song on. Like, you really got me or running with the devil. Yep. That always, that takes me back all the time when I hear that. Absolutely. Yeah. So it took it took me a little bit with with some of those metal bands. Mm-hmm. I'm still not a hair metal band fan for the most part. I mean, oh, I guess I guess Motley Crue's considered hair metal, but yeah, that I was. Think my next a, I think there's a lot of bad hair metal bands. Hair metal can, you know, our friend Scott Oaken right now is just apoplectic <laughs> at, uh, desecration <laughs> of hair metal. Um, and, there's a lot more bad hair metal than good hair metal, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think this so. thing as good hair metal. Yeah, a lot I, I agree. good hair metal as well. Maybe we should do that one night. Hair uh, metal, hair metal podcast. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. We'll put that. We'll put that in the board. Put that on the on the uh, for uh, discussion in the production meeting. Yeah. Well, not not too tempestuous first five of my favorite albums beef yeah i should have uh off to a pretty uh, calm start don't worry i know you're gonna be yelling at me soon though i should have started yelling possibly as early as next oh next week i i think you're gonna yell at me about at least two of the albums next week that's my prediction i'm already upset that there are no jazz albums so (laughs) did you sneak a peek at my list beef (laughs) i just uh if there's any jazz albums, I'll be like, what's what's happened to Len? First we've seen Jaws. You know what? One almost now that I'm thinking about it, one could have made it, but it didn't. Because I really like No Better Blues, if you consider that jazz. The soundtrack? Yeah. I consider that jazz. That's a good, that's a good album. That could have made it. Yeah. Did not, but that would that would have been the one that shocked you, I guess. How can you like the soundtrack of Mo Better Blues and then not like anyway? That's for another, that's for another time. Uh, we're gonna get to the bottom of this. I think it's your deep seated dislike of um, what is it about me? I'll get into a certain you know, aspect about me that really just rankles you. Just just. just God, so I much rankling about him. So much rankling beef. That's why I choose. <laughs> That's why I choose to do this every week as therapy. It is as a cathartic way to let out my anger towards you. <laughs> well, get in line. But I'm happy. I'm happy to be back. Yeah, it's a good. This is a good one. Uh, we want to thank everyone for listening to our triumphant return to the podcast airwaves please tell a friend about us please subscribe to us uh we are on pretty much anywhere that fine podcasts are found we're also on social media so follow us on the instagrams follow us on the twitters follow us on the facebooks we're not on tiktok we are putting together a strategy to get on tiktok two words len dancing yeah which ought to be high comedy more to come there 
high comedy and instructional. And, and you will learn <laughs> as well as uh, you will learn and laugh. Um, so tune in next week. We are going to have our pro football expert, Matt Beyer, who has a huge following uh, around yeah. the globe mm-hmm. and is well-renowned for his football expertise. He as will- long as we don't put it on mat bags instead of jack bags, it'll, well, it'll, be, it'll be on next week. He's so popular that Len just drops me like a dirty shirt. <laughs> you know, run away after the new shiny object. <laughs> And that is Matt Beyer. But he'll be joining us, and it'll be a good one. Uh, NFL preview, uh, even though we're a couple weeks late. Uh, we'll talk season- about the first two weeks, and we'll talk about what's to come. Yeah, the season's so long anyway that uh, what's you know it's going to be tough to really discern. Uh, and it's one of our most popular episodes of the year. Absolutely. So you won't want to miss it. We'll have our Super Bowl previews. We'll do MVP predictions. Uh, it's going to be a good one. So tune in. Thanks for listening. When you're ready to listen, put a little jag bags in your ear.